McClellan, Covenant Logistics. Covenant Logistics. What do you do over there at Covenant Logistics? VP of Sustainability and Innovation. We'll probably get into it, but yeah. keep things clean and keep things current. Super fans of this show know that we met with you to drive the Nicola over at Covenant. That's right. I have a great picture of the two of you high-fiving right in front of the truck after your ride. <laughs> after, but, but not after you crashed the drone. No, not after I crashed it. One of the reasons we, we brought Matt here today is we have a great topic. We're going to get a lot into sustainability and the realistic aspects of sustainability. And Matt brings a great perspective working for a large carrier like Covenant and being in charge of making these kinds of shifts. So he'll keep everyone honest today. He's going to ask the important questions. And he's, again, going to bring that large carrier perspective. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You yeah. stay honest? I always stay honest. Just ask my wife. I, I need his energy today. I need his energy because... <laughs> you need the energy. <laughs> I need his energy because I picked up that puppy a day early. You need people who watch the show, you know, we after this puppy. Take a look right here. There he came is. home yesterday. That's my other dog. She's 11. She got to meet him for the There's first the puppy. time. Is that his name? Well, you know, there's been some debate. I think it's Valcor, but the five-year-old, if you ask him, he says it's the ultimate puppy. Um, I think Kylo's been tossed around. There's been a few different names. Um, when he first came home, the, the big dog, the 11-year-old, she was being really petty about one of her balls. She was like, oh, he's going to come after and, and take my ball from me. She got over it, though. She realized that, like, just walking around the house being angry wasn't worth it. But I'm really tired because the problem is, like— we tried to put him in the crate and have him go to sleep at night. Mm -hmm. and he was whimpering and everything. You know, he's just been taken from his mom and his siblings. So my wife got him up and comforted him like the baby. She put him back in, and then it was my turn to start whimpering again. And um, I ended up having to put him sleep outside of uh, outside of the crate. But it's a good time. The kids love him. You get yeah. the dogs? You get but, the dogs? you know, it's funny. We had, you know, everybody gets a once-in-a-lifetime dog. And that yeah. was yeah. our previous dog. And his name was Ryan. And it's funny because his name was Ryan when we got him. And we wanted to come up with our own name, but we, we none of us could agree my 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 son one named Chip or something. He strange. finally fell asleep there. There yeah. you go, pass. So we just kept the name that we had. Yeah. What kind yeah. of dog was that? Yeah, right. It's Golden Retriever. Golden the Retriever. best dog ever. So nice. Yeah, Those are good they dogs. Are. Well, yeah. I've had a couple of Golden Retrievers. My parents actually have one right now, but I grew up with one named Cosmo, and they have one right now named uh, Maybe. Yeah. Now we have the great dog Tucker. Yeah. Tucker the dog, which is also my mother's name, which wasn't really popular at first, but you know we've all gotten used to it. You ever take a dog hang gliding? You know what? There's a guy that I fly with that has taken an <laughs> eagle hang gliding with him. That had his wing clipped. He put him made a little harness for him. Oh. I don't know if anybody's ever taken a dog. Sounds like a Pixar movie or something. Are we going like, to talk about hang gliding? Are we going to put that in context later? We're going to put that in context right oh, yeah, now. Let's play a yeah, right now. Promo. Check this out. Check this it, out. There it is. There. Hey, this is Matt McClellan. I'm the VP of Sustainability and Innovation at Covenant Logistics right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I want to tell you about an event that's coming up that I'm really, really excited about. It's the Freight Waves Future of Freight, November 1 through 3, right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It is the event to go to if you're in the supply chain space. So if you're in trucking, if you're in ocean, if you're in warehousing, if you're in freight brokerage, whatever it is in the supply chain space, you got to come to this event. If you're our customers, our shippers, please come. Um, something for everybody. Um, my good buddy uh, Peter Rensler, Metaphora, expect you guys to be here. Jet McCandless, I hope you have a big crew from Project 44. Uh, Ryan Rogers from Text Locate, uh, you better show up. This is right here in your backyard. So November 1 through 3, it's going to be great. And come a few days in the front and back end of the trip. Maybe you can come up here and go hang gliding with me. Future Freight, November 1 through 3, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Be there. 
All right, how much did that green screen cost you? That, you know, that was, that, that was totally unplanned, right? I had Don't a camera, I, so I had put a camera on a GoPro. Yeah. I had 3D printed this little mount, and I really wanted to try it out, and so I put it on, I'd made several modifications to it, and what I really wanted to do is record a little video for my son who was at camp, because this camp has a little thing where you can upload a clip, yeah. and I did that, and I'm looking down, and maybe there's another clip on there where I'm looking at this big, giant trailer yard. We've already yeah. showed that. We'll yeah, show yeah, that about a week ago, that? yeah. Okay. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to record a, a Freight Waves clip. And, I, I said, and the goal is to do it in one take in under 60 seconds. Well, you did it a year ago. Remember a year ago? Oh, yeah, yeah, did yeah, yeah, a yeah. very similar promo. Well, yep. When I saw it, I was like, how many, how many hours do you have to be on a hang glider before you can just smoothly rip out a, yeah. a, an ad like that? People stand here and can't do it. I've been flying those things for 22 years. Okay, yeah, that's what uh, I want to ask you because you're very, very comfortable up there. Yes. Yeah, well, how do yeah. you land with it? I've always wondered, how does the hang glider come down? with? Because your legs are like secured upwards, right? So yes, they are. You, you sort of pivot down into a stand, standy-uppy position. Is that oh. a word? Yeah, well, like standy-uppy. Stand uh, so you're flying prone so you're you're vertical to the your um actually horizontal to the ground and yeah. then you can kind of pivot up and your feet are down and then so you let, like buzz lightyear like buzz lightyear and you get within just a couple of feet above the ground and you just push out and you just land right on your feet okay. if you do it right yeah. see dooner said you used your beard yeah. uh, <laughs> i think that was you're, right. you ever get caught in like like a crosswind <laughs> or something like any ever, ever have anything bad happen up there um on landing every once in a while but nothing 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 too bad, you know, okay. uh, and you don't get a second chance. You can't yeah. just say, oh, I'm going to gun the engine and make another pass. You only get one chance to do it. <laughs> so I knew a guy who did, like, extreme sports, and I remember asking about, like, dirt biking or something. Are you saying that what I do is not is it that, No, but then I realized, like, him to that bad was, like, he had shattered his hip four times and had, yeah. like, six rods in his in his back and had, like, you know, plastic ribs and stuff. There's this expression and... Your boss Craig would know this. There are old pilots and yeah. there are bold pilots, but there are no old bold pilots. Yeah, yeah. So I take oh, everything pretty that's conservatively. Good, that's it. So you jump off the jump park up on, on Lookout Mountain? Is that where you? you yeah, yeah. Lookout Mountain, right here in Chattanooga. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, greatest freight city. In do the you have country. to be in like a special launch, or can you just go rogue and just jump off anywhere? Uh, you could probably anywhere as soon as, as long as you had the um, you know permissions from landowners and all that stuff worked out. Do yeah. they shoot down hang gliders like? The military? Skeet. Yeah. Um, like you know what? So we are not that far away from the Chattanooga airport. And so yeah. you have to make sure that you are, you don't go too far outside. Yeah. I have gotten pretty close to an airplane once. You'll end up at uh, Charlotte. CLT, am I going to connect here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, wow. we got to tip cool. the band and we'll get into things today. Surge Transportation thinks non-competes are stupid. Non-competes chase away good talent and stop talented people from joining the supply chain industry. Tear up your non-compete. It's not enforceable. Instead, email jobs at surgetransportation.com and open what, Michael Vincent? Hey, you can open your own office tomorrow. Even on a Saturday, dude. Even on a Saturday. Open your own office. Seven days a week. All right, we got a couple news stories to get through here quick, and these ones, I tailored them to our guest here. The first one is that Nicola... Mm. We are familiar with. They've beat their Q2 revenue estimates deliveries on 40 electric trucks. Roll this Nicola tape. We were over at Nicola earlier. Yeah, we. you invited us down there. You got one on yeah. Fleetwell. Alan Adler says they've delivered 48 battery electric Class 8 trucks in Q2, and they beat analyst estimates from top to bottom. This is a very beleaguered company, as you remember. They had the issues mm. back in 2020, but they've tried to shift and pivot since. And I think one thing that Michael Vince and I have wanted to applaud them on is these 48 deliveries. Companies like yours actually have these. We hear so much about electrification, but where are they? Well, here they are. Here they are. And yeah. we actually have one. I took it to a customer location here in Chattanooga. We really want to get some local shuttle work, and we took it by, and they rode around. And, you know, we've had it for three months at a customer down in Atlanta. 
zero problems. Yeah. So, you know, we really like Daimler and, and, and some of the other providers. Nikola has availability. We're really committed. They're, they're very much committed to being a very quick startup. They designed the cab from the ground up. They had some of our drivers come out and um, test out different seats and configurations. And do you like this here or that there? Do you like this switch there? And um, they've been really great to work with. And and I think all that Trevor Milton stuff is way in the past. Yeah. We were not going to hook our, <laughs> hook our, attach our trailer. Our wagon, yeah. Hook our wagon to um, somebody that we felt like didn't have a strong balance sheet. So we did all of our homework and yeah, we're really happy with what we've gotten from them so but far. Vincent, didn't we notice a critical flaw in the cab of that vehicle? It, uh, it was it depends very on how much sparse. Inside. No, it didn't have a. It didn't it, have, oh, a it didn't have the tongue. Oh, yeah. You, you, you at least a fake one or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's no. Like you know, there's you no. Know? Um, uh, I, I probably can't say the word. There, there, there needs to be a handle. Also, yeah. like, like what you're talking about. We yeah, call yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you, yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, yeah, about. And yeah. then on the other side, you <laughs> need like, like yeah, Stallone had an over the top, like Lincoln Hawk had. You need the thing to work out the arm wrestling arm. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. We're going to arm wrestle today sometime or what? Is that a we real thing? We can do that as long as you're left-handed. I'm not, but I'll still take you down. We'll figure right. it out. We'll, set, we'll do that in a, in a little bit on here. But there's one other piece of this Nicholas story. They're opening a couple. They're talking about their fuel cell electric trucks, and they're talking about hydrogen stations. Fuel cell electric, hydrogen trucks, either of those interest you at the moment. They both do. Hydrogen is further out. Three weeks ago, I went to Cummings and saw one of their new hydrogen ice engines. We talked to them oh, about yeah, their yeah. fuel cell. This stuff, guys, is coming, right? Yeah. But the problem is, where are we going to get the hydrogen? Now, one thing that's interesting about Nikola is they struck a great deal with the state of Arizona and California. They're paying really fantastic rates at night for, I think, two, three cents an hour uh, kil for kilowatt um, so that they can start creating hydrogen yeah, at scale yeah. and making it available. Um, you know, back to the electric truck, you know, we know what one of the biggest problems is right now, and it doesn't matter who you get the truck from, it's chargers. Yeah. Chargers are hard to come by, and it's the chips in them. Um, yeah. That's so, it. you, you know, it's funny, not to get off topic. Yeah. Uh, Elon Musk, I just read in the Wall Street Journal, um, he's rewriting the software in some of the Teslas to bypass the chips that they don't have. So they're getting all creative and say, well, let's just use these other chips that aren't operating at 100%. Is that not brilliant? Interesting. You know what? I'm a little bit of a fanboy. So, but Will Doyle at the at the Port of Baltimore, he reached out to me because this Chips Act went through. Mm -hmm. And if you know, a lot of chip manufacturers are now saying they're they have they're, they're starting to get a glut. That bullwhip of the chips are, are mm -hmm. happening. So at the end of the month, we're going to be talking to him about what his thoughts on that. Um, I think bringing the manufacturing back on shore here is is great. But I'm curious to see what he will have to say about that because yeah. they they're huge into automotive, so they bring through a lot of those chips. So his uh, his port sees it firsthand mm -hmm. when they can and can't make these uh, these deliveries. I did um, fall um, follow. Nancy Pelosi's husband, I bought some NVIDIA stock just like okay. he did after I read about it. So yeah. I'm hoping that maybe that chip sack will, <laughs> well, will help, help my I NVIDIA. I thought maybe, maybe that got, bill that thought you got picked up for DWI people. or something like no, that. No, no, no. I didn't know that. Like stocks will go through too. I know unusual Wells is pushing that one through. You know, I wonder if this guy, he likes to do extreme retreats with his team. I wonder if he's ever been hang gliding. It's Brian Kempis. He's the founder over at Port X Logistics, LLC. He's got the grit poster behind him. What's up, Brian? Not much. How are you guys? Doing good. Have you ever been up there in a hang glider? Did you see Matt up there? No, no, but I do hike. Uh, it's called the M Trail here in Bozeman. And uh, there's guys up there in wingsuits that just run down the mountain and, and take off. That's crazy stuff. I would never do that. So no wait, wait really? so you, what, why is a wingsuit so like a bridge too far when you're already doing yeah. hang gliding? Uh, I think my top speed is about 40. I think there's just 400. Or something oh. crazy like that. Is that right? And yeah. they have oh, no it's... engine either. They've got nothing <laughs> other than they're just run down 
And there's people that have crashed. There's people that, you know, like you're running down the mountain really fast and they trip and stumble and then just roll down the rocks. It's pretty dangerous. It's kind of like scuba diving or scuba diving with sharks. Like you can yeah. still do it. You just don't have to have the sharks. And, I would like, like, like high like speed this, though. I would yeah. scratch my nose and I'd probably like fly into the side of <laughs> the rocks yeah. or something because my wing would be That's down. That's true. You can't rub your eyes. <laughs> I'm, I'm jealous about Bozeman though. I'm gonna have to come out and visit you sometime. Well, Brian, let's, let, let's talk about that real quick before we talk about this Ram. I know you're very team oriented and I've had a long one-on-one -on -one with you before on Freight Waves Insiders. Uh, Maybe it was about a year ago. I don't know. I've, ever since like the, we've been in this virtual world, like I don't, I can't tell time anymore. It was sometime within the past two years, Brian. But you're telling me about the, the retreats you do with your team. Are you on one right now? Or when was the last like awesome one you did? Uh, I almost killed them last week. Um, <laughs> this was a self-guided retreat. I am the guide. So we went in the crazy mountains, um, middle of nowhere. I did a little bit of recon, but probably not enough. <laughs> and uh, we did it. We did a ten-mile round tripper. Got to about 90, 9,500 feet of elevation. Uh, ran out of water. You know, it was a pretty epic trip. And I think they were all um, horrified and mad at me until probably the next day. And then uh, they were thinking that was the coolest thing they ever did. But it was a, a beautiful spot in the crazy mountains, middle of nowhere. Did you run into Kevin Costner or Rip or any of the the cast from Yellowstone? We did not. But I live right where they. Chief Joseph to live the Chief Joseph Ranch. Uh, I live in the, I live in Paradise Valley, uh, just south of Livingston, which is where the show is uh, is based. Oh, I'm coming to visit for sure. Well, there you go. Is wow. that very, is guess? that is that heavily guess? populated by yeah, course, by Sasquatch? Yeah. Well, maybe. Uh, uh, no, no. Can we can take the show on the road? Uh, grizzly sure. bears. Grizzly bears. Not many. So the Sasquatch population is pretty low in that area. Pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Pretty low. Well, before hey, before we move off <laughs> retreats, you you are kind of an advocate of these things. Why do you think more companies should get their people out of the office and challenge them to an episode of I Shouldn't Be Alive? Yeah, it's a little bit different for us. You know, a lot of people do, you know, corporate meetings or retreats and they go to some fancy ranch or in a boardroom. Um, we get the whole team together for a week. Um, we have uh, a night of fun. We have a meeting at the bottom of the... Uh, of the mountain at my house. Um, we get to do some, some really unique things. And then it's, it's generally a three day, two night thing in the mountains. The hike should be really difficult. Um, I, I parallel it to business. Growing a business and a successful business is not easy and neither should these hikes or retreats. And that's why we push people to the limit. Um, I read in a book recently that most people use about 30% of their potential. So if we can even get that doubled to 60% of our potential and uh, push our boundaries a bit, um, you know, we're going to be a better company, better organization and better people. So that's why we make them hard. We make them difficult. We make them not cushy to make this team realize that they can really, you know, accomplish um, any of their goals. Brian's way far ahead of me. He's trying to push, you know, that potential from 30 to 60%. I'm just trying to, you know, they say like you only use 10% of your brain power. Yeah. I'm just trying to get mine to like 10.5%. Like I'm trying to get to that 10 level. I think that's that BS, 10? dude. Yeah, I think we got, we got, we got short scooped on our, uh, on our brain powers <laughs> yeah, over here. I missed it. <laughs> hey, speaking of smart, smart animals, let's talk about the Ram. You For have sure. a company mascot or Ram. Tell us about this thing. I saw it online. You said you were naming it. And I said, what the truck needs to be involved. Yeah. Um, so the the story behind the Ram was I was in a friend's furniture store and they had that thing hanging from the ceiling. And I'm like, wow, that would be really cool. You know, I like I like mountains and, 
you know, mountain goats and stuff like that. And then when I moved from Buffalo to Bozeman, uh, the Ram didn't come with me and he became kind of a, a Portex mascot and he'd been hanging out in the office. And uh, Jimmy and Lauren, uh, who are in our marketing department, decided that the Ram needed a name. So uh, they did the survey. You reached out to them. And uh, being that we are in the port business and drayage, transloading and trucking, uh, the winning name ended up being Porter. Ooh, Ooh, a little cowbell for Porter. Ah. You guys like it? It's subtle, but uh, it works. It does work. It does. It absolutely does. Porter. What do you know? What were the some of the other ones? Were there top fives or anything like that? I mean, did Steve um, or Dooner th- come up? Did Dooner or the Dude come up? Dooner and the Dude did not come up. Uh. We had Ramsit, which yeah, I don't really know That's what that means. Bad. We had yeah. Xavier, like Xavier with an X for the Port X. Um, we had Duckworth, which is a popular brand here in Bozeman. Um, so obviously it's Merino wool coming from sheep, mm. uh, and then Porter and Porter ended up being the winning name. Yeah. Wow. That's because they didn't listen to mine. Bodie McBoatface. Bogie McBoatface? Bodie, you, you remember Bodie, Bodie, Bodie McBoatface? Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which I remember that. I don't, I don't know your reference. They, so in the UK a couple of years ago, they were dedicating this research vessel. Okay. And they crowdsourced the name. Oh, Bodie That's McBoatface. Right. Bodie McBoatface. Oh, oh, yes. Okay. okay. Right. Yeah. And it yeah. won. And they're like, no, we can't name it that. Like, but that's what people vote. That's what the people want. You know, so they did that with Mountain Dew too, but then like 4chan found out about it and they gave it a very vulgar name i won't repeat on air so as long as you got to be careful with those, those odie mcbrokeface yeah. that's so what you people like walk in and rub the nose when they walk into the office now is this going to be like one of those things like the rock and clemson or something like that i think so i think he's going to get his own hat you know we might get a yeah. we talked about some port x tattoos so porter might get a tattoo yeah 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 or well brian be, before we let you go speaking of ports and speaking of porter uh we touched on the topic of the east coast ports last week is there anything for us to look forward there moving into q3 q4 or is that just going to get even more backed up because it's looking pretty bad right now yeah I, I think it's dire i don't think it's good um they're shifting you know around what what uh, how many vessels are going to what um ports i know savannah is now overrun with uh, over mm-hmm. 40 vessels at anchor um new york new jersey got a bit of a reprieve last week but they're, they're going to see a surge again next week and I would say the biggest issue in New York is yard space and chassis because you can't return empties. And I won't name names, but certain steamship lines with orange containers, you can't return them to save your life. (laughs) Um, There's no appointments available um, and it's clogging yard space and and causing chassis shortages. So um, that's the big issue in New York, New Jersey right now. Well, we just heard from Soren Skew, and he said that uh, the supply chain crisis is going to last a while. I was like, thanks. Thanks, Soren. It's been two yeah. and a half years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're familiar. Well, yeah. We're familiar. It's becoming obvious that it's not going to clear up anytime yeah. soon, I think is what he said. <laughs> well, he, everyone out there, you should go follow Port X Logistics on social media. They, they do great um, daily, almost these days, I've been seeing on your social media, Port Breakdowns. They have great weekly breakdowns of what's going on on both sides. Look up Port X. They do it both on their Twitter and their their LinkedIn. Congratulations yep. to Porter and your team and the Ram. Thanks so much for spending a little time on a Friday with us, Brian. No, appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Take it easy. All right. Yeah, meanwhile, stuff. that's something like I would do. That looks like fun. I would do that. 
Steve. We were that a harbor pilot, pilot up in New York? We were going to show this to <laughs> we were going to show this to Paul from Freight Caviar because he's from Poland. And we're going to be like this. This is your perception of every American, right? Like that's what we do all summer. And only in the south. But, yeah, but, yeah. So but why should it? That looks like fun. Uh, I don't know. I would I'd do, do that. I'd be into it. You know what? Want to talk more sustainability? Want to talk about guys who are actually doing something in the space or making a really cool, innovative way to go hybrid now? I do. You guys want to learn about it? I do. Let's do do it. Talk to the co-founders of Tandem. We got a couple brothers here. It's Matthew and Paul Sabatini. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, great to be on. Thanks for having us. Which one's uh, one's which? uh, Which one's the one with the beard? I'm Matt. That's Matt. Matt Sabatini. Okay, good. He's my favorite. He's your favorite? Because he's got Team Beard, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm Team Paul, man. Okay, Paul, he's, Paul's the brains behind the outfit, I'm telling you. <laughs> hey, we, usually when I see co-founders, I'm like, how did you guys uh, hook up and connect? But you guys are, are brothers. Um, is this something that you've, like, making this solution, and we'll show it in just a minute here, but is this something you've, like, dreamed about since you were in the crib? Um, no, we knew, uh, we no, knew I, it way back, but, yeah, Mac and start. No, yeah, we've only been doing this for two and a half years now. Um, so, you know, it's not something we've dreamed about forever. But, um, you know, it's been a really exciting two and a half years. And I'm happy that my co-founder is my brother. Wow, that's kind of odd. I mean, you know, sibling rivalries and all that other kind of stuff. It's not, it's not how, but why would you go into business with your brother, right? Wow. <laughs> it looks like they get along. No, no they're they not do, in the they same do, room but together. It's, a, it's an anomaly. It's an anomaly. What does Tandem, what, what Tandem do? Why did you guys jump into this? Because the solution seems brilliant to me. Yeah, yeah. In short, what we produce, uh, we make an attachable electric vehicle, and that's what we call the Centaur. Um, so that, that's what attaches to the back of a diesel tractor, and we could also hook it up to the back of a fully electric tractor. Uh, so for the diesel tractors, you get an immediate uh, cost savings on your fuel and also emission reductions. And when you attach it to an EV tractor, you don't have to worry about that range anxiety anymore. Um, so it, it's really been a great uh, journey uh, bringing this uh, to market where we're going to begin our pilot programs uh, this year. And, uh, you know, it's a really cool product, uh, to be honest, and it's just exciting to, to see it out there. Well, guys, we brought a very special guest here. This is Matt McLeland from Covenant, big carrier. They have just invested in their own electric solutions, but they're still looking for other stuff. So yeah, It's my uh, job to know about stuff yes, like this. Yes, it is your job. So he's going to ask you questions, but also feel free to ask him any questions that you guys have as well. But Matt, you start us off here. What are you, what are you curious about what you just saw? Uh, I don't even know where to begin. First yeah. of all, I want to know how much it weighs. Like, what's the total weight of the tractor once you hook it up? We've got a Nikola truck right now. It's right around 29,000 pounds it's pretty heavy for a tractor we get a little bit of an exemption but but what's the weight of this guy girl it thing <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's a centaur sorry absolutely the centaur yeah the centaur it's um so we've built them in a variety of weights the base model will come in around three thousand pounds and then as you add batteries we could get up to six or seven thousand pounds so it really depends on the range that you're looking for and what is the, I mean, the mechanical side of it to me is fascinating. If you're hooking into an existing diesel truck, I'm assuming you're not getting under there and unhooking the drive shaft. So how does that part work? Absolutely. So it does have its own um, electric axle. So we don't connect to the drive shaft of the existing truck. Um, it's totally independent. Um, that uses the poles from the batteries in the stack. And then the axle, you know, you, we're adding that back axle. Um so completely separate drivetrain. Separate drivetrain. Okay. And uh, at this point, it's probably too early to talk about costs because initially, 
until you have any kind of scale, but do you have some sort of price point that you want to try to target? Which we I guess is also dependent do. on how big the battery is, but you know, generally speaking. Absolutely. It totally depends on the battery, but uh, the base model right now for companies that are entering our pilot program, we're selling it for about $40,000 uh, per unit. That's the base model. So that'll get you about 75 miles of range. Uh, and of course, as you mentioned, it's going to get, you know, higher as you move towards the, uh, higher mileage, we can do up to 250 miles of range and that price point will get closer to 80 or $90,000. So is the idea here, cause you, you, you got 75, then you've got the, the two fifties Is 75 more for someone who wants to run as a hybrid model and they want to get some diesel savings that way where the 250 might actually be applicable to someone who's doing something like with a Nikola more uh, local loops or dray loops or those kind of things? Certainly. So the 75 miles of range, it's, you know, really powerful for uh, local pickup and delivery, uh, short routes, uh, but even regional routes. The fact that you add regenerative braking, you add that 75 miles of range even though it might not cover your entire route, um, it's really powerful. And you'll see that in the cost savings and the, the uh, emissions reductions. It's similar to like a plug-in hybrid or even a, like a, a Prius. Uh, you don't need enough batteries to cover your entire route, uh, just as long as you're adding the electric motor and the regenerative braking. You know, uh, you'll see those benefits. You know, it's interesting. The beauty of it, um, guys, is that, I mean, imagine a drage operation somewhere at a port and yeah. you just kind of pull in within five miles of the port and you just flip off the diesel and flip on the electric. And for the next two hours or however long you got to sit in line, wait, yeah. you operate on there until you get back up on the open road. Because there's a lot of stuff coming down in California. Is that, it, is, that, is that how it works? I mean, can it move that truck all by itself or does it have to be assisted with the diesel? Yeah, so we can we can take the entire up to 80,000-pound load. The only thing is we do idle the tractor uh, for all of the necessary components in the diesel tractor. Uh, so, But like for something like a like port, that. exactly. But in something like a port scenario, we can send power. Um, you know, if your auxiliary systems can make use of the battery, you know, by shore power, we can definitely supply power there. So we would still be reducing emissions significantly in that port operation. Um, but we'd still idle the truck for sure. That's Centaur 2.0. Oh, they get well, around that. 2 <laughs> Paul, I haven't heard from you in a in a hot minute here. Let's ask you about this. What uh, what went into the development of this? Like, how did you guys come up with um, this type of solution? Why this type of solution? And why the the sort of design for it? I notice it kind of hangs off the the back of the truck a little bit. So I'm just curious about some of these decisions that went into the build. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, the, the concept was actually Matt's, and, and he brought it to me in, in very late 2019. And then we kind of hopped into his garage uh, up in New Jersey. Uh, all and we the just best started building. Start. <laughs> yes. No, it was organically built uh, out of the garage. And uh, we built small prototypes uh, just trying to make the proof of concept. And, and we tested it on uh, uh, Matt's old Jeep uh, that he still has. I believe it's a 98. Right, Matt? It's 98 Jeep Grand Cherokee. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, there's your test. There's story behind this Cherokee. I, I noticed a little brotherly ribbon going on. Anyway, sorry, I, I just went off on a tangent there. I was thinking about the Jeep. Uh, but anyway, so we were in the garage building out the prototypes, and then when we got our first warehouse facility, we built the first one to one scale centaur. And then it was really just a blank canvas for us to design it uh, any way we wanted, especially the battery stack. Um, so that's kind of where I got the name Centaur from because it really does look like a half man, uh, half horse uh, standing up pretty tall in the front and then low in the back. 
Um, but that's really the beauty of it, the way it molds to the truck um, and just the ease of use for the driver. Um, so that, that was really um, a, a key feature uh, of it, just ease of use. That's, that's where we started. Yeah. So, you know, I, other than – so What the Truck being, of course, my number one favorite podcast, sure. my number two – is how I built this with Guy Raz. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Close second with Joe Rogan's long form podcast, which I really like those. Okay. But some of my favorite how I built this startup stories are where the founders, you know, their aha moment came from a felt need, right? It came from personal experience. You yeah. know, Airbnb, some of the great yeah. ones, you know, Chicken Salad Chick, if you want to cry, listen to that one. But did this come out of some experience that you had firsthand or did you just look across the market and say, why isn't anybody doing this? Look, tell me about your aha moment. Definitely. So the aha moment for me was I wanted I that 98 Jeep Grand Cherokee has a big V8 engine in it. I wanted my V8 engine and I also wanted, you know, an electric motor. So it started not with class eights. And then eventually we were, you know, I drove on 95 quite a bit. And eventually I was just like, you know, there has to be a better way than electric tractors. There has to be some way we can uh, bring the power of the electric motor into these existing diesel tractors. It's interesting because it looks just, I mean, it's like a GIF lock that we use in, in LTL all the time, right? To convert from 48 footer to pups real quickly and you could do all that type of stuff, which makes it really, really cool. Since it is not an entire vehicle, do you expect that this is going to be covered by like EV credits and that type of stuff? Ooh, good question. We are, yeah, great question. We're having a lot of those conversations now with organizations that can help us there. We don't have a definitive answer yet. We're hoping that we'll get some portion of it, not the whole bit of it. So maybe, you know, half of what they offer now, we could hope to have the Centaur covered under. Nice. What are you hearing from people who are interested in this type of solution? The, the mats of the world, what are they looking for out of you when you're having these discussions about um, them test piloting the solution or becoming uh, or adopting it completely? Yeah, certainly they, they want to make sure that it uh, it fits well into their existing operation. That's not a, a complete headache for the drivers. And uh, that's part of why Matt and I also uh, became CDL drivers, because we can be really close to the product and understand mm -hmm. it from that driver's perspective. Um, so that's also been really fun, uh, driving around uh, semis and, and all the class eights. Um, but anyway, so yes, that's what they're looking for from us, is just really the driver perspective and also making sure it fits into their operation. Um, a lot of questions about range. Um, and that's one of the great things about the Centaur is it's, it's extremely flexible. Um, you know, what kind of range do you need for your operation? It, it fits that. It's not, uh, you know, we don't dictate that. Um, so anyone can, can choose what they want. Um, so uh, range, driver perspective. Um, so those really have been key. What about you, so, Matt? What do you, what do you care about most when you're thinking about this? Like when you went to talk with Nickel and you looked at that solution, what was it that really, what gets you to, to be, to invest in one of these things and bring them over to Covenant? So, you know, what's interesting um, about Covenant or some of my peers and some of the other, um, you know, four hire carriers is that, um, well, first of all, most of our stuff is long haul over the road. We don't yeah. have a lot of opportunity for short haul. This would be like a perfect JB Hunt. But you should call my friend Craig um, Craig Harper over at, at yeah, JB Hunt, absolutely. Chief Sustainability Officer. Yeah. This is right up his alley. But you know, we we are not afraid of young startups yeah. with minimal viable products. Um, but that is so concern. You know, we want to make sure that if we put time and effort and maybe even some investment dollars, that 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 they're going to be around the next day. And then, you know, I guess the big thing is that. You know, we like to play a role in the way it's developed. I mean, here are two people that just got their CDL. You don't know a lot about the trucking industry. We love to be able to influence and play a role 
in the way that some of the stuff is developed. That's one of the things that uh, we did with Nikola was we were able to have our drivers participate in the way the yeah. cab was driven. Um, it's one of the reasons why we're involved with Autonomous. We want to make sure that we're part of a roadmap that's inevitable. Yeah. I love what you're doing. Um, I um, The decarbonization of freight is one of the hottest topics right now in my space. And whenever I talk to customers, they are not at, well, they're interested in whether or not we can haul their freight, but they're also interested if we're trying new things. If mm -hmm. we're trying new things, these are the types of carriers they want to partner with. So um, I'll definitely have to follow up with you two after this because um, I really like I, I really like what you have, but I really like the way you're thinking. Yeah. Let me ask you, when you, when you think about development, you think about the Centaur 3.0 and other iterations, what is the battery... Um, and sort of component space look like right now. We've heard a lot about the supply chain shortfalls. And, you know, you hear about the mythical Tesla Semi all the time, and that keeps getting delayed because they're waiting for bigger battery packs. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, that'll come out whenever Elon puts it out. What, are, what do you guys see from your seat when you're thinking about the development of this? So uh, battery supply, as you mentioned, is, huge, is a huge issue. So one of the things that we look into for the Centaur is keeping it very modular so that we can make use of secondhand batteries. A lot of the original Centaur prototypes were built out of, uh, you know, secondhand EV batteries. So because it's detachable, it's not baked into the frame of the truck, we can make use of those reusable batteries, better supply there, better for the environment. Uh, but also we'll be looking into alternative fuels in the stack. The stack itself is fuel agnostic, so it doesn't have to be filled with batteries. Uh, so we'll be looking into, you know, renewable natural gas and other types of fuel sources uh, to go into the stack as well. Cool. Matt, any, any more questions? before Is Centaur.com, was it taken? Centaur. I, I just keep thinking about that. <laughs> Centaur, maybe you got Centaur.info or something. Or yeah, we'll have to look into it. Yeah. Well, if someone wants to see one of these things in action or get a part of the pilot program or just get more information, where should we send them to? Yeah, of course, right to the website, um, drivetandem.com. Uh, our facility is always open for visitors. Uh, we love to have people come through. Um, so, yeah, please head to uh, our website um, and you can find us there. Uh, Paul at drivetandem.com and Matt at drivetandem.com. And Beautiful. will we be able to find you at the Future of Freight, November oh, yeah. 1 through yeah, 3, Chattanooga, Tennessee? Yeah, come yeah. down to Chattanooga. Show it off to, uh, we got the big LTL clients there, man. Yeah, we're definitely, we'll we're working on it right now. Uh, so we'll try and get, we'll get one of the units down there uh, for sure. Awesome. Excellent. We will, yeah, we will man. be sure to take a ride in. Ooh. By the way, I, had, I did have one more question. What do you, you guys went to um, Cedell School. You don't, is your dad a truck driver or, or anything like that? Or, or what was your experience like in the uh, Cedell School? We had a great time. Um, both of us knew how to drive stick before. So we had, that was a, you know, I guess we had a little bit, but other than that, no, no real truck driving experience. But since then, um, you know, it's been a lot of fun. And I think I'm looking forward to taking some of these units on on a, uh, you know, country ride road road trip. I'll be driving the truck around. Would you like for me to send you a Covenant Logistics trucker T-shirt? Ooh. Oh, yeah. Now that you're the CEO. Okay. We'll and and Paul, before yeah. I let you go, what surprised you the most? What was one thing you didn't expect to learn at CDL school that you learned? Oh, man. Um where Crocs in the shower. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of shop talk around guns, and I, I've never uh, had any exposure to that. <laughs> so oh, wow. I was the odd man at shop that. Talk around guns. <laughs> wow. Well, because you know what? They, you're not allowed to bring school. the gun across state lines in trucks, so they they they're very much longing for. I uh, want to see pictures yeah, of the prototype with this uh, 30 year old Jeep Grand Jeep Cherokee driving around. Yeah, bring that to F3. What was that about? Bring that hey, thing down, guys. Yeah. Hey, little cowbell to best luck to you and your company. Hopefully, we see you in November. And thanks for sharing uh, what you guys are up to with us. We appreciate it. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks.
Take it easy. Awesome stuff. Good stuff. All right. Good stuff. Yeah. Where do you find these? Where do you find stuff like this? That's my job. I, I thought I was good at job. that. So I spend all day networking with people and inviting them on the show and promoting the show. And like, it all goes hand in hand. Like, mm-hmm. if you just keep your eyes and your, your ears open, anything that I see that is cool, I just leave a comment like, hey, if you ever want to come on the show, come on. And 99.9% of the time. Here like, I am. They go, okay, yeah. 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 Like, yeah, sure. I don't know sure. if that's for every show. Maybe we're just special. I don't know. It's the beard. <laughs> Anyways, we have to tip the bed again. Search transportation that's not competes are stupid. Not competes chase away good stupid. talent and stop telling the people from joining the supply date chain industry. Tear up your not compete. It is not enforceable. Instead, email jobs at searchtranspotation.com and do what? Open your own office tomorrow. History lesson, Michael Vincent. Oh, God. For over Every 35 week. years, Fleetworthy Solutions has provided a single source of solutions to monitor and manage DOT compliance while mitigating risk for private and for hire carriers. With advanced technologies and exceptional client services, Fleetworthy becomes an extension of your team to make your company go beyond, beyond com- compliant. All right. Let's talk a little more sustainability. Let's do it. Our good friend, Thomas Healy at Hylion, they are putting out a brand new video series. He said he's going to be putting out, I think, one of these a week that are talking about the developments in EV and what they're doing. Here's about two minutes from that clip talking about what options are available in EV space right now. And the reality is, as we look forward into electrification, it will not be a one-size-fits-all solution. We really see that there are going to be three different types of vehicles that fleets are going to be able to choose from. And those three are BEV plug-in, natural gas range extender, and hydrogen fuel cell range extender vehicles. And so we'll spend a little time now breaking down the differences between those three vehicle architectures. So first, starting with the BEV plug-in, and this is probably the vehicle that all of you are probably most familiar with. And the way this vehicle works is it's got E-axles on the rear of the truck, it has a battery pack on the side frame rail, and then it plugs into the grid in order to produce or in order to recharge that battery pack. Now, there's pros and cons with this this type of vehicle architecture. Uh, One of the big hurdles is you need a very large battery. Uh, And, you know, the longer range you want out of that truck, the larger battery you need. And thus, it, uh, it adds more weight and more cost to that vehicle. The other downside you have is you need charging infrastructure uh, to be able to leverage the grid in order to recharge that truck. You need very large chargers, and today those chargers are not the same as what's used in passenger cars. So it's a new charging infrastructure that needs to be built out. So when you look at these range extender vehicles, they have very similar architectures to BEV vehicles, but you actually have a power plant on board the truck. So let's first start with the natural gas range extender vehicle. It has e-axles just like a BEV. It has a battery pack, but now you have an onboard power plant that will actually produce electricity as you're driving down the road in order to charge the batteries. So what this causes is you don't need as large of a battery pack on board the vehicle because you're not trying to store your entire amount of energy for the day. Instead, you're trying to just have enough energy there in the battery pack to act as a buffer in between the generator and those e-axles. This is a very similar setup to where uh, what we see in the hydrogen fuel cell vehicle. It's just like that natural gas range. So hydrogen fuel cell, kind of the same thing as uh, 
The other one, are you interested in all in those range extender type of models that he was talking about, those, those second ones that would use a natural gas or hydrogen solution in concert, or why not a diesel solution? I don't know, or in concert with uh, the battery? You know, for long haul carriers that have routes that span across the country for us, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, one of the things we have to think about is, is, is where can we get this stuff, right? Yeah. So CNG, LNG, you know, the, there's no guarantee that's where we need it. You know, deep, diesel is still the ultimate fuel cell. So, you know, we have to would be very strategic about where we would be able to implement something like that. Probably a dedicated route where we have predictability and where the truck moves. But, um, you know, it's funny, CNG... You know, it'd be interesting to kind of get together sometime and have an offline conversation about that. We, yeah. Our industry has tried it. We had some problems with it. A lot of us are kind of interested in maybe giving it a second chance, but we're not quite there yet. But I think yeah. it's brilliant. I think what they're doing is really interesting. I saw one, uh, I don't know, I've, I've been to several shows this year and um, I got to ride in one. It's, it's, it's a well-made truck. Um, it, it was the performance was impressive. Yeah, the potential was impressive. Um, I'd give it a look. Yeah, I was yeah. I was down there. They had me down in Austin, and it was what I really liked it was that it was a Peterbilt that they put it mm -hmm. on, and I liked that it had a pull chain, so I could um, I'm seeing make the horn go off. Yeah, you like the pull <laughs> chain. Yeah, I'm, I'm easy to please. So yeah. if I read what you're saying, it, it really comes down to infrastructure and convenience of being able to uh, and efficiency of being able to recharge that or refuel it if it's hydrogen or some other. Yep. Yeah, but what do we do if it's hard to get the chargers right, and it's but, hard to get the chips? Like, what? Which one of these seems viable to a company like Covenant? Well, well, let me throw another thing out there too. It's interesting because I'll have conversations with people. I mean, traditionally we've been a diesel industry. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. now the future of trucking, the future of any fleet, is a blended fleet. So it's not going to be all electric or all hydrogen yeah, yeah. or all highly on trucks. You know, it's a little bit of everything, which means that um, I've got a good friend Jason who's sitting over here watching. He is in our maintenance department. The group that he works for is going to have to maintain all of a sudden not just one thing, but several different things. We yeah. have to think about whether or not we need to hire. Like, what kind? Of, what's the future of uh, of an auto, of a mechanic, of a truck mechanic? You know, it used to be diesel school, and now it's like, well, they need to understand high voltage electricity, or they, yeah. you know, we need to rebuild our buildings to make sure that they are hydrogen and CNG compliant because yeah. you have to make all kinds of structural changes to the building and add concrete and things like that. So, you know, it's not just as simple as, oh, that's a good idea, I'll try it. We have to look at a lot of different variables. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. It does. It's something I never considered, and probably half our audience, if not more, never considered either. Well, yeah. right? I bet a lot of audience did yeah. consider that it is international beer. Day though, if they did, I've been did considering that all morning. Beer day. <laughs> we have a guest here from BWS Logistics, Rob. He reached out to me and he said, "Like, I need like four minutes to just spill beer facts all over you. Spill the suds." So we're gonna give him uh, four minutes. Bob, come up here and just regale us with all of these beer facts that you know. Oh well, I, I don't know a ton of beer facts, but we're uh, we're happy to be on the show again. And uh, you know, today is International Beer Day. I didn't even really realize that our marketing team put together something which will be coming up on our uh, site today, but uh, today is International Beer Day, and uh, we've got some fun facts. Uh, did you guys know that beer was part of a normal diet back in the Middle Ages? Beer was considered to be a, a normal part of the uh, human diet. People drank it daily because they thought it was necessary for their health, and I think there's probably a lot of people that still believe that. Yeah, I was going to say, when did that change? Yeah. Well, I thought it was necessary <laughs> until I went to rehab, so maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact number two, Heineken back in the 60s, I didn't even know this either, so I'm learning this. They they, they started uh, coming out with uh, square bottles so that they could be used for building houses. They oh. thought the process was uh, good to provide in, uh, inexpensive building materials and limit the amount of waste in the world due to beer bottles. Wow, ahead of their time. Yeah. Yep. 
The next one, take you back to ancient Egypt. Women brewed beer in ancient Egypt. Well, beer brewing is considered to be mostly a uh, done by men. Back in the ancient Egypt, women did the majority of the brewing of beer. I did not know that. That's probably better, too. It probably, probably was. was. Yeah. It smelled better. Yeah, yeah. I bet. <laughs> if we're talking, uh, the next one here we got is, uh, if we're talking per capita, the uh, the Czech Republic actually drinks more beer than any other country in the world. That makes sense. Now, if we're talking about the most consumption, China, and that's probably due to the massive population. Yeah. You know, it comes as a surprise because most people think of uh, Germany and Ireland for beer, but that's... Uh, locally here in the Chicago area, I, this this has to be because I know Seven Brothers is lo- located here. They actually came up with a beer uh, that tastes like pizza. I don't know if it would be any good or not, but the beer uh, had a cheesy uh, had a slice of cheesy pizza. There was a perfect combination, and no. they brewed a beer that created the taste almost like America's favorite deep dish pizza. Can't wrap my head around. It. I can't wrap my head around it at all, Bob. Yeah, yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't try that one. And uh, last one I have here for you guys. Yeah, I'd, I'd try anything, you know. Yeah, why not? We can, uh, we can trace beer back to 3500 B.C. It's, uh, beer was popular worldwide. Western Iran uh, has showed the earliest evidence of beer making chemicals. Uh, chemical tests have been run on, on pots from around that time that show beer was produced in Western Iran in uh, 3500 B.C., which is probably where the, the term I ran out for a beer came from. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oh, for the international beer day joke are you gonna so you said you might chug a beer are you gonna chug your beer now it is probably- I, I i you know i was we just came up with this yesterday so i i somehow i i, I told them i would shotgun a beer yeah and um i don't know if you guys know what that is yeah I do. Oh, yeah of course yes yes are you I going mean, to i mean i mean i know the dude he's mr keg stand so he he probably knows what that is but <laughs> yeah i do have uh i do have a beer here there it is to do Oh, a okay, Modelo. Let's see it. All right. All right. Let's do I it. I got let's a Modelo. Um, so to do that, if you guys remember back from when you were yesterday, sure. You take uh, you take your can. You 18 year old kids. Your can <laughs> your kids. Sideways. And now you lay it sideways and you take a you take a, a knife. We used to use a butter knife because we were stronger back then, but I'm going to use a, a little sharper knife. All right. And we're going to try this. And, and I haven't done this in a long time. Then you put well, it in and give it a twist. You give it a twist. But didn't then, spray all over him, so he's doing yeah, well. He's doing all right. No, it didn't. It's good. It's nice and cold. So now I'm going to tip it up Check and pull the tab and see what happens. All right. right time and ready here. and go. Is this a first? A first Two. chug on the show? Oh, nice. And it's like it's like a beer oh. asthma uh, inhaler. That's what it looks like from this, this angle right here. Seven, you watching at home. Eight. Bob has I give got a little on his seconds. chin, but for the most part, I would say. <laughs> you, you know, we're trusting him that he actually did. We have no way to verify <laughs> that's an empty can. Oh, he did. Yeah, it could be. It could be like he a did one. Eight and a half seconds. Tap the camera. Chris Angel. Tap it. Afterwards. Eight and a half seconds. That's respectable. I was going to offer to do this when it's a. This is a. uh, I'm I'm confused on the direction here. Yeah, you're perfect. This is for my favorite. My favorite record store. They did a micro brew, the King's Lager in uh, Oak Park, Illinois. So if you ever stop by there, stop there and stop at Val's Holler Records. Today, this year is their 50th anniversary. Well, beautiful. Bob, thank you so much for stopping by here. Thank you for showing us your beer. We got to get to some dumb news, so we got to let you go. But check out right. BWS Logistics and look this gentleman up on LinkedIn and connect with him. He's a very friendly man. Thank, thank you, you guys sir. for the time. Have a great weekend. Awesome. Hey, can I Appreciate give one little beer comment? So, um, I, you know, you bought my van, Chad, the van yeah. on Instagram. Uh, can, yeah. yeah, yeah, you've heard about that. Yes. So you can belong to this thing called Harvest Host. It's a network of breweries, distilleries. You can stay at these places in the parking lot, cross country. Cool. It's, br- it's a brilliant idea. Good news, bad news.
I love it. How's the bad news and good news? Yeah, it is thunder. Good. It thunders like if you if you're not from Chattanooga, especially like downtown area Chattanooga, it, it thunders and lightnings. When it rains here, it, it rains. Could be a crash out front yeah. too. Yeah, it could it be. Does happen. Well, we don't yeah. hear. We hear on a good day. We hear all the cars coming by and everything. Um, here's an interesting one. So embark right. Bad news. You're an autonomous truck, and Johnny Law is fixing to pull you over. Well, good news. According to embark, they just put out this video. An operator to confirm that a pullover is being requested. The Embark driver, through its planning and action platform, identifies an open road shoulder and safely pulls over. In the case of poor connectivity, the autonomous Embark driver will err on the side of caution and have the truck pull over. Next, the law enforcement officer approaches the truck just like they would during a normal stop. If the officer is not yet aware that the truck is an autonomous vehicle, a screen on the side of the truck clearly indicates that the vehicle is autonomous and that the autonomous system is disengaged and the vehicle is safe to approach. A lockbox containing registration and bill of lading is installed behind the passenger side door and includes a phone number to call the remote guardian operator and access the code for the lockbox. At this stage, the officer is able to access the lockbox and check paperwork. Upon confirming any information or in the unusual case of issuing a citation, the officer can close the lockbox and return to his or her vehicle. If necessary, the officer can again call the guardian operator to confirm any outstanding information. And just like that, we've completed an emergency vehicle interaction. All right, what, what do you think, man? So this is actually one of the big questions that comes up. You yeah. know, what happens if you get pulled over? What happens if you get a flat tire? How do you refuel it? Exactly. You know, how do you put gas back in it again? And so um, that, I've never seen that. That's interesting. Um, you know, you got to, you know, there's always, when you're coming up with something like this, there's the 80-20 rule. You know, yeah. you got to come up with a solution that works 80% of the time. This needs to be 100 Zero rule. I think uh, Michael Vincent has the right idea. Yeah. We'll, we'll put a fake screen on the side of our truck when we're driving tandem that'll say it's autonomous just so the cops, and we'll hide like under the seat. Yeah, yeah, no, that's so exactly what you do. Don't bother Absolutely. us at all. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> just pretend it's a police step away from the. Mm-hmm. Here's some good news, my friend. It's a beautiful day in Sebastian, Florida. Ooh. So, hey, you say to yourself, why not get a fifth of Jack Daniels and <laughs> yeah. take the old golf cart out for a ride on Route 95? Wow, well, 95? <laughs> sure, let's go to south of the border. Yeah, why not? Let's take a cruise for a while. Here's the bad news, friend. You are not an embark autonomous vehicle, but the oh. cops can still pull you over. This woman right here, what is her name? Hawk. Uh, Diana Hawk. So she got... She got 58. 58 years old. She takes a uh, fifth of booze out and gets in her uh, golf cart and starts cruising down I-95 uh, yeah. out there in Sebastian, Florida. And uh, the cops pull her over. Well, actually, a trucker, a trucker saw, right? pulls up and guides her off with her truck off the side because she notices her out there. Guides her off the side, gets her keys from her, gets the cops over there. Cops come over there and uh, they're talking to her, asking for her ID. She hands him uh, a credit card and then uh, hands him like a, you know, a Subway sandwich card or something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's what it says and they before. figure, well, maybe she's drunk. Yeah. <laughs> Turns out she was. She had a uh, Jack Daniels Tennessee fire, a bag full of it. She told the officers not to go in the bag. So the first yeah. thing they did was go in the bag. Go in the bag. Don't go in that bag. I need that bag. So they did. And there's Tennessee fire whiskey inside there, half drank, and uh, she's under arrest. Now, Matt, I don't know if you have gotten wrapped up in the pickleball wave, the pickleball madness that's going across America, but we've been covering it frequently on the show. So some good news here. You're a militant pickleballer, and you've learned that a Gordon town doesn't have a public use exemption. So you storm the nets and get to ball and take a look at these pickleballers right here. Good, how are you? How's it going today? Good. Looks pretty empty. 
It's empty right now. I'm in like they own the place. Can, can we help you? Yeah, we're going to be using these courts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you guys do know that you have to sign in and pay a fee and pretend it's over. Yeah, we understand that. We uh, we met with the city. They said no one has a permit for this place, so we're allowed to be here. But... So we've just gone to Peninsula Tennis Club and we walked in and we were asked to sign in and pay. Uh, we asserted our uh, right uh, to use this public space. Hi, Tyler. Hi. Hi, Nice to meet you. Hi, Stefan. Hi. What was your first name? Ashley. Ashley, nice to meet you. What's going on? Uh, we met with the city uh, several times, and Director of Parks and Rec, Andy Field, said no right. one has a permit. I cut the tape. All right, so they were saying these pickleball pukes, this is one of the people there, so these pickleball pukes should not be allowed to be on the same court with tennis players. Amen. Uh, because the, those paddles and wiffle balls make so much noise you can't concentrate. It says the uh, the city appears to be uh, in bed with tennis, protecting them at every turn. That's what the pickleballer says. Where do you sit? Are you team pickleball or team tennis? Um, I'm... I'm I'm team Matt. There's no, oh. I oh. cannot imagine of all the problems we've got to solve Free in the world agent. that we, that, that this is a thing. Uh, the, I guess um, the tennis players are feeling you know, I guess really upset that they're, that they've come on. It's like if mini golfers came on a golf course, a and public tennis court, you know, for windmills. Public, yeah, I mean, if it's, I mean, can kids not play soccer on, you know, a baseball diamond? I, I'm into. I think, the, I, I think the tennis players need to get their noses out of their their butts, right, and let the pickleballers play. It seems like they're there. They're the ones showing up to use. I mean, the maybe if they're at Wimbledon, and maybe it's a cultural thing, but maybe. I don't think so. Yeah. No. Team team tennis team to pickleball. Okay. I'm with the pickleballers. No, right. end them, end it, end it. it, it but, was, it but, was but just, I thought kids play pickleball. I'm against pickleball. I, I, play pickleball. Apparently, senior citizens do, but the age is getting younger as it gets more popular. I'm against it. End it right mm. now. Here's some good news, my friend, Matt. Yeah. You are now a French scientist, and you've tweeted out a great new pic from the James Webb Telescope. Can we see this picture? Oh, Check wow. this out, man. Oh, looks, that thing, thing takes amazing pictures. Is that, it takes amazing. Is that not the coolest picture you've looks ever like seen? Mars. <laughs> it yeah. It does look like, like Mars. Musk on there somewhere? But uh, Twitter's on to you and has realized that what you posted is actually a slice of chorizo sausage. ABC, ABC <laughs> Australia reports that Antian Klein, a director, a director at Francis Atomic, a Atomic Energy Commission, posted a picture purportedly showing a Proxima Centura, the closest star to our sun. This level of detail, a new world is revealed every day, he enthused. Then he had to apologize for this. He described it as a scientific joke. He said that his aim had been to remind people to be very uh, to be wary of arguments from people in positions of authority. Uh, so oh. guy had to go on there. I come to present my apologies to those who have who may have been shocked by my prank, right. which had nothing uh, original about it. He tweeted. What do you, what do you think, Matter? <laughs> Are the the French scientists allowed to prank with uh, lunch meat or no? You know, it's not like he yelled fire in a movie theater. Yeah. No. You know, I mean, I think people generally need to lighten up a little bit more. It was, so. uh, you know. When they I look were, at the things that Elon Musk says, the people get they were going all like COVID. They're like, you're going to create conspiracy theories and like flat earthers yeah. and flat pizzaers and all sorts of things. People are going to start creating pizza beer with Chizuro on it. I don't know, yeah, one, one of the comments was it's, coming from a scientific research director, and it's quite inappropriate to share this type of thing. Wow. One of the Twitter replies to that. I can't even get my head around this. Yeah. I, yeah. Matt, people want to get their head around you. They want to go hang gliding. They want to meet up with you at F3. Before F3, where do we send them to? Uh, you can look me up. Uh, Instagram, Chad the Van. Yeah, oh. uh, you can. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the Sprinter Van thing that I have. Um, LinkedIn, of course. It's where all the professional people oh, get go. Get an arm wrestle. Get an arm wrestle. Oh, yeah. Quick. All right. Here we go. Get arms and arms. Bye.
by me at Timothy Tuner. Find him at Vincent the Tuner. Let's see who's got the winner here. Oh, it's gonna be at 19 seconds left. Who's gonna make it? Who's gonna make it? Oh no, Biggie got taken down. This is, we're gonna have to continue this match at F3. No winner has been declared. Nobody's lost yet. Don't be a stranger. Tell him how to be. Peace and love.